This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown. I'm Alex Smythe. The Ontario Disability Employment Network is wrapping up the Rethinking Disability Conference today in Richmond Hill, Ontario. In November also happens to be Indigenous Disability Awareness Month. So on Monday, I had a chance to speak with several speakers from the event. I was able to interview them remotely from Studio 7 right here in Toronto. And one of the people I had a chance to speak with was Lisa Spencer. Lisa is the communications specialist for the Nunavumi Disabilities Makina Swatik Society. Lisa chatted about the intersection of disability and Inuit culture. Here's my conversation with Lisa now. Hi, Lisa. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you, Alex. How are you? I'm not too bad. So uh, let's dive into this topic. So what is the current landscape of disability within the Inuit community? That is a very loaded question. So the landscape that uh, is involving disability in the Inuit community, uh, first and foremost, is that disability is heavily stigmatized in the territory. There is no direct translation for the word disability. And so for us as service providers, it can be rather complicated in terms of reaching the community and providing support where needed when the community that we are servicing uh, is hesitant to even adopt the label. So what we do in Nunavut is we put emphasis on the barriers to participation and barriers to access and allow Nunavumiyat to come forward and self-identify. And so your your conversation always uh, the, uh, at Odin focuses in on the intersectionality uh, between the Inuit culture Correct. and disability. So why is it, in, and you've touched on this already, but can you expand why it's so important to really focus in on this intersection and the unique nature of the barriers that are faced within the territories? Absolutely. So when we're looking at disability, as I said, it is a colonial construct, this idea that disability equates less capable. Uh, so there's that hesitancy to adopt the label. But even uh, above all else is that the services and supports provided, typically provided for people with disabilities, is actually centered around like a European mindset. Um, we have a very colonial structure, working nine to five and, you know, working to get a paycheck. Um, this idea of work in general is not quite the same as it is in Nunavut. So what, uh, what their priority is, is being a good Inuit, learning the skills, the knowledge, sharing traditions, helping each other, working as a community. This idea of independence is more about interdependence and interrelation. So when we're looking at supported employment and the disability landscape in the North, we need to make sure that we include the voices, perspectives, and uh, also the decision-making of the very people that we serve. I'm curious as a service provider, is there added challenges or, or barriers that you face? Because as you, you mentioned, a lot of these, the terminologies, these ideas is very uh, colonial uh, based that it, it can, there can be a bit of a, um, uh, a 
a disconnection between kind of what the the philosophy or focus of disability employment or or service in the rest of the country is opposed to within mm -hmm. the territories. So do you face further challenges on trying to not only receive support from the broader disability community and, and support network, but also catering your service to those in your community? Absolutely. So one of the things that we, one of the barriers that we come across as service providers is that a number of the supports and services, like I said, center around this westernized idea. So it's not just about taking something that already exists and adding like little tweaks to it to make it more Inuit friendly. It's about taking something and reinventing it and making sure that Inuit are part of that decision-making process in order to uh, ensure that it is culturally specific, culturally relevant, and does not cause further harm. And so in that way, uh, how we kind of come across that barrier is we make sure that we build a rapport, have relationships, talk to people one-on-one -on -one in group settings, go to community where community is happening and have these conversations. And ultimately, when we find that someone does not necessarily relate to the concept of disability, they are still eligible for our services once we really start to have these conversations and to say, well, actually, we can provide support. We can provide services. And this is something that is very common in none of it. And we find ways to make it more culturally appropriate. Uh, a lot of on the land programs, a lot of culturally specific um, arts and crafts kind of programs. These are ways that we can infuse Inuit culture with supported employment initiatives that are very common in the South. And so are, uh, in terms of uh, the landscape up north, are, are there multiple service providers like yourself or is it something where you've had to really kind of build from the ground up and, and really uh, create a, a space for people that didn't exist prior? Well, supported employment in general is actually a very large industry in Nunavut, particularly because uh, Nunavut population is 85% Inuit, and that is the population that is vastly unemployed, overrepresented in that population. So supported employment is a, a very big initiative up there. Where our service is a little bit different is that we focus primarily on disabilities. And so Nunavut Disabilities Makina Swaktit Society is actually the only organization that covers all disabilities, all age groups, and in all 25 communities in the territory. And for uh, other organizations and, and folks elsewhere in the country, how can they get involved to help support you and the work that you're doing to help the community up north? Absolutely. So if there's any interest in involving Nunavimiet, uh, it would be helpful to uh, involve us right from the start so that we can be part of that decision-making process and make sure that what we plan on uh, implementing is actually uh, takes into consideration the Inuit culture and um, Inuit language even right from the start. We're not tweaking it. We're building something from the foundation up. And, and Lisa, like uh, the, the work you're doing is, is so important. It, it's, it's something where, you know, I, I myself didn't even uh, truly consider just the the unique difference in terms of having to uh, have so focused within the Inuit community and how different it would be mm -hmm. or, or uh, present itself from elsewhere in the country. So where can uh, folks go to learn more about the work that you and your organization is doing? 
Absolutely. So I'm well aware that Nunavami Disabilities, Makina Swaktit Society, is a mouthful. Uh, we do go by the acronym NDMS, and you can also find us at nuability.ca or nuability for any of our social media handles. So that's N-U-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y. Okay, perfect. Lisa, thank you so much. I, I really hope that we can uh, catch up down the road and, and check in and the work that you and your, your colleagues are doing. Thank you so much for all uh, chatting with Absolutely. me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And that was my conversation with Lisa Spencer. So Lisa is the communication specialist with the Nunavumi Disabilities Makina Swatik Society. The NDMS is the only cross-disability organization in Nunavut. And as you heard Lisa say, to learn more about their services and support, visit nuability.ca, nuability.ca. Coming up after the break, when it comes to seeking professional advice from your personal, uh, for your personal finances, what should you feel comfortable sharing with your financial advisor? Ryan Chin offers up some tips. You're watching now with Dave Brown on AMI. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.